0: After a week away, we're back with Chapter 105.
1: And on today's show, Jeff talks about his recent trip back to Canada for the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame induction ceremonies.
0: And Julie has some tough love for vegans courtesy the French government.
1: This is Jeff and Julie moved to France during a global pandemic.
0: Okay, so back from Canada. Oh, by the way, I didn't, uh, I didn't tell you this, but I was the, when I was back in Canada this last week, it was beautiful weather. Uh-huh. Like mm-hmm. every day was sunny mm-hmm. and no wind. Mm-hmm. And like uh, even the last day I was there Monday, mm-hmm. it was 10 degrees. I just got a, a, a note from my buddy Mike. I stayed with Mike and played with the band on Sunday. Uh, out in Rockwood, Ice storm. Uh, snow, no. 80 kilometer an hour winds no. and no power.
1: Look at, oh no. Yeah. Well, you've got, well, you, you kind of had good weather karma then because while you were away here mm-hmm. was rain. Th- like buckets of rain, mm-hmm. sideways rain, mm-hmm. wind.
0: I didn't tell you this either, but all the horse stalls that we have are all full of water.
1: Really? But
0: not the uh, upstairs of the barn. So, huh. yeah. Isn't that funny cuz Mike sent sent me a note and he said reverse lumbi effect. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow.
0: Anyway, uh just just had a really uh, amazing visit. Gee, I had a, I got a lot of stuff done and I want to thank uh, Tim Progosh. And the organizers of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame (laughs) uh, induction ceremonies, and you know, it it was so important for me to be there. I'm Hmm. just—it
1: meant a lot to you.
0: It really did. uh, Just, just to be a part of. The induction of Steve Smith, Red Green, into the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame, and the evening for us was the Friday, and it just could not have gone any better. It was, I mean, we had Peter Callahan, Ranger Gord, mm-hmm. and Mag Ruffman, who all, who worked with Steve and Peter back in the day with uh, the Smith coffee and Coffee Mill. Oh, was it yeah, Coffee yeah, Mill? Yeah, 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 Comedy Mill, and oh, and, and um, Coffee Mill. Yeah, Coffee Mill. Do you need one? Yes. yes.
1: <laughs> C- clearly. Yeah.
0: Comedy uh, Mill and uh, Smith and & Smith. And, ah, you know, it was just so great. And then, of course, Patrick McKenna, who, was, you know, played Harold. He was the MC of our evening. And, man, oh, man, he just lit it up. He just huh. set the tone. I was nervous. <laughs> I don't like public speaking yeah. anymore. Yeah. I just, I, I don't. <laughs> and uh, I was quite nervous about the whole thing. But, uh Patrick just be, because he set the table so nicely, uh by the time it came to me, I was just I was just floating. That's it was great. it was fantastic and, now, and now, oh,
1: sorry. now this this was held right outside of Toronto, right? This is in Hamilton in Hamilton,
0: Yeah, yeah, this was in Hamilton at the convention center. and uh and then and then Ron James was the uh, Knights entertainment. and I gotta tell you. He he did, like, easily an hour, and it was so funny and so appropriate. Oh. Like, you know, there were kids in the audience, so he toned down a little bit, you know, and he was just, just wonderful. And then the next night was the gala, Sean Majumder and Elvira Kurt and a bunch of comics, and... um And that went well as well. Now, there were, it wasn't without its hiccups. And, and I, you know, I really feel badly for Tim because uh, a lot of the inductees pulled the pin on this thing. Uh, Jim Carrey, for instance. Uh, Martin Short, Eugene Levy. And and that kind of took the wind out of the sails for a lot of people. And I got to say, I think the city of Hamilton dropped the ball on this thing, too. Mm. And I just want that out there because Tim has a vision for this Hall of Fame. And it doesn't have a place right now. And his vision was for it to be in Hamilton. And, I, you know, I, I think he may be back to square one on this deal. But I got to tell you, if 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 the city of Hamilton... Um, were smart. They would try and work with Tim and adopt this as a, a brick and mortar place for the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame because he's had this vision for many many years, and it's been a hard it's been a hard road for him. And I just you know what I feel for Tim because he put so much into it, and uh, you know at the end everything worked out uh, in terms of, but there was a lot of jostling around, and mm-hmm. you know. Uh, sponsorship was difficult after those you know big guys yeah, pulled course, out you know course, and so yeah. uh but uh I just want to you know thank everybody because the actual night for Steve was fantastic he was very <laughs> emotional which is rare mm-hmm. for Steve and That's true. it was just great so
1: could you put things things into context because not everybody I think, would be aware of the Red Green Show, uh, what your role was in it, and how important Steve Smith is to Canadian comedy.
0: Well, so, uh, yeah... Great question. I lucked into this job. Steve and I met at the uh, Oktoberfest parade. I was a parade float judge. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad I accepted uh, that invitation because that ended up being such a huge turning point for me and, and, and the best career decision I ever made. What ended up happening was 12 to 13 years on the Red Green Show as Winston Rothschild, the sewage-sucking expert. And uh, you know what? It it, it, it really did because—and one of the things I said in my uh, presentation, uh, which is common uh, among people who were involved in the Red Green Show, and that was that it was 15 years of— of absolute joy there were no crosswords. Mm-hmm. there were no angry words ever spoken mm-hmm. on that set between uh performers
1: uh Traditions. he sur- yeah
0: yeah yeah he has casting crew steve surrounded himself with with great people and as a result it was just it was just one of those magical times and so for me it was very important to be able to go there and uh help induct Steve into the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. And 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 as I mentioned he had those other two shows with his wife Morag and she was there and it's was, it was just uh yeah.
1: he's a he's a key figure I think in in Canadian comedy entertainment.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know there have been hundreds of people over the years involved with the Red Green mm-hmm. show. Yep. So he's brought uh th- those those good tidings to them as well. And it's just you know, it's again, it's just been uh, an, an amazing ride. It's not over. Mm. We still have a podcast mm-hmm. uh, working on an animated show. Yep, yep, this thing. this show has not been on the air as of next year for twenty years, and there is still interest in Canada and the United States well, on the red green show. But,
1: but it's it's been in reruns, no? Well, yeah, yeah, but but I'm saying the last shoot day was 2005.
0: Yeah, the last shoot day was 2005. So, anyway, uh, just kudos to the Canadian Hall of Fame for you know making lemonade out of a tough situation and getting the thing done. And uh, you know what, Uh, we'll see what happens for next year or down the road. But this, to me, is a huge opportunity for any city who uh, uh, might want to host the Hall of Fame for. Canadian comedy. I think it's very important, and I'm I'm with Tim on this one.
1: And I'm glad that you were able to take part, and I was happy to hold things down here at the the homestead.
0: Yeah, you got a lot of rain here. <laughs>
1: yeah, a lot of rain. It was tough for uh, the pups because we we I had to wait for the rain to clear because they don't like going out in the rain yeah. and then get them out. And anyway, it was uh, it was a, a pleasure uh, to do that because I could tell how much how oh, much. it meant it meant it uh,
0: meant a lot to be able to be a part of this thing. And then I get home. <laughs> and, uh, you know, everything's going great. Richard Vanderloop, by the way, uh, handled uh, all the travel arrangements once again with uh, in perfect style. Richard uh, from Trip Central, of course, he, he runs the place. Uh, he's also got a lot of happy employees. He treats his people so well through the pandemic and all that kind of okay. thing. And the travel arrangements were great. Air Canada was fantastic. And then I get home and I get in the car and I'm just buzzing along because between to lose and where we are it's just 90 minutes of a buck 30 and no problems mm-hmm. until all of a sudden <laughs> i get to the bordeaux Ajon turnoff, and both lanes are blocked. It is... Uh, you
1: can't get on can't the get road. Can't get anywhere. No. I, I, it's the A62, right? Yeah, it's the A62. Yeah, and I think there have been demonstrations and protests uh, along the way. I think it went from, from Toulouse all the way to Bayonne, which is on the Atlantic coast. Oh, did it. And it was the farmers, uh, again, that are protesting. Well, um,
0: here's the thing. As you know, I fully support the farmers. And what would have been really handy uh, is uh, some deviations. Sure, you know, sure, that would have been handy.
1: Give Give me some options. How yeah. do I How do I get from A to B? Because
0: I'm in the middle of southwest France. I have no idea where I am. The woman, <laughs> the GPS woman, keeps wanting me to come back here, and I actually <laughs> fell for it once. And then I ended up going the other way, <laughs> yeah. back to Toulouse, and there wasn't an exit for twenty kilometers.
1: <laughs> And meanwhile, you were calling me. And oh. You were just so... well. I was giving
0: you updates because you know yeah. the, the GPS would kick in. Yeah. You know now twelve forty one. So yeah. I ended up losing like forty minutes. It took me over two hours to get home mm-hmm. uh, because I was going back roads. Thanks to the GPS woman. <sighs>
1: But was, you made it home.
0: Made it home. Dogs.
1: Dogs are really thrilled. They were happy to see you. Yeah,
0: I got swarmed. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Got swarmed. It's and that
1: guy. It's that same guy.
0: Yeah, he's back. <gasps> and he's mad as usual.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, no,
0: it was good. It was good to really good to to get home. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and,
0: but, yeah, and as far sorry. as the farmers go, uh, again, oh. a small price for me to pay. Uh, that's all I'm going to say on that one.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a lot of frustration there, yeah. and they were in Paris. It's the big uh, Salon de l'Agriculture, uh, which is a. It runs from the 23rd of February to March 3rd, and it's a big deal. Okay. Um, it's it's where um, the farmers bring their beasts, okay. their horses, their cows, their their, their cochons, uh, you know, and and families come out and and visit and and. Get information on what's going on in 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 France in terms of agriculture, and uh, I'm I'm told that the president of the of the of the country uh, will. Uh, always attend for various lengths of time and macron did attend on saturday okay um even though it was delayed the opening of the of the the fair or the salon was delayed by an hour and a half because of the farmers they were barricading and causing a little bit of a kerfuffle Um, so uh, ultimately the farmers were able to have a conversation with macron Um, There were some concessions that were made, but this is going to be ongoing until there are some steadfast regulations that help the French farmers compete.
0: Yeah, and I know uh, Macron is trying to temper uh, the anxiety right now that the farmers have, but I mean... You can't tell me that this hasn't been on their docket for a while, and it has come to this with the with the protestations. And you know, maybe they were calm at the beginning, and maybe maybe they weren't listened to, or felt that they weren't being listened to, and needed to take it to this level. So I, I think this is more in his court now. He's yeah. got to deal with this because. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's at a tipping point. It yeah. really, it really needs to be dealt with. It can't just be fluffed off. And I, and I think everybody's taking it really seriously. You know, the big the big trade unions are putting a lot of pressure uh, on the government to make sure that they deliver on their promises. Mm-hmm. So we'll keep uh, looking at that. Um, but interestingly, this week um, re- regarding food, uh, the French government has now banned the use of certain terms to describe. Um, vegetarian food, so it is it, it is not legal to call something a vegetable steak. Ha! Good. <laughs> why do you say that? Because it's not a steak. But they're trying to sell it as something that tastes like steak, but it's made out of no vegetables. No,
0: you can't do that. No, Wh-
1: why you can't? You can't do that. I'm
0: I am in total agreement. Uh, if you want to eat a steak, you eat a steak. It's false advertising, is what it is. That's what it is. It's false advertising. Do you
1: think people will buy it thinking it's a real meat steak if it says vegetarian steak?
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think that, that that's accurate. That's like saying, um, that's like saying fake car, or you know, it's it, to me, it's like it's, if it's not a car, then how can you call it a you? And with a steak. Or any kind of beef, it's not that. So you can't. No, this is right. They do it with milk. You can't say milk you if know, it's
1: almond. If it's yeah, if it's, it's an almond bev- beverage, beverage or soya go. beverage. There you go. Um, yeah, but I mean. How do you describe your product? How do you for, for these people, and there is a huge association of, of that group all the people who, who are doing these vegetal uh, um, foods now, um, Can't call champagne champagne if it's made in uh, Loire. But how would you describe your product if it's to, if it's supposed to represent, say, um, ground beef? No, no, but that, it's not ground beef. No.
0: It, here's the thing. If you and by the way, if you're a vegan, you uh-huh. probably don't want to see the word steak on that package, uh, huh?
1: Well, it, it's. I think it's just they're saying this will taste like this.
0: No, no I, no, I, I, I disagree. That's up to them to come up with the the words to describe it. But you can't use if it isn't if it isn't steak, you can't use the word steak to describe it. That's all I'm saying. And I think this is good. I think this is good policy.
1: Well, I think you are in the business of marketing food as as it. Uh, Is it represented or is it Get your own words. This is what I say.
0: Get your own words.
1: if it's supposed to taste like... So, like, so, could you use veggie burger? No. (laughs) No, you can't use
0: veggie burger.
1: So, what do you say? You
0: could say chicken burger because it's a burger made of, of chicken meat.
1: Yeah, but what if it's made out of vegetables? You can't use the word burger?
0: No, burger... Well, maybe burger's different because burger is... Uh, more a description of what the thing is as opposed to, uh, you know, where it comes from or, like, that it's animal-based. Like, I think burger, you can maybe get away with it, but you can't say ribeye. Sorry. You can't say strip loin. You can't say steak.
1: You can't say plant-based scallop?
0: No, I don't think so. I just don't think so.
1: Okay. Well, that's your opinion. Um, And the
0: French government clearly.
1: Uh, well, uh, yeah. I mean, this has been on the books for a while, but, and there was a big pushback by the Pro- Proteine France, which is the, the, the plant-based mm-hmm. manufacturers. Right. Um, so they, they've got a year to to get their, their current packaging and description of their product off the shelves.
0: See, I think burger is like sandwich. You know, it's just a description of the actual dish as opposed to a ribeye, which is there, there's only one ribeye. It's beef. That's it. Mm.
1: Okay. Anyway, so a year from now they'll have to have completely different packaging and you know describe their product. Can they show a picture? They can show a picture. Oh, there you go. They can show a picture. They just can't describe it with that word. And this is only in for France. Um, France man- manufacturers products that are coming in from other EU uh, countries. Uh, don't have to abide by this new guideline.
0: Oh, that's going to cause that's going to cause a bit of a kerfuffle because you know in Canada, I mean, you can't have a foreign product come into the country without having french put on the package. You won't see that, so I don't know why they don't make this uniform here. That's
1: Well, you know, it, it's growing, you know, yeah. because there's there, it's a trend now. Plant-based food is, is becoming a thing. And I think, um, you know, other countries such as Italy and Greece uh, and Spain are looking into legislation so that um, there's no cross-pollination between, you know, meat-based and plant-based foods mm-hmm. and descriptions. Well,
0: that's one way to do it is to really separate them.
1: So while you were away... Um, I watched way too many documentaries, but one of them that I watched, and I know you're sick of hearing me say this, but it was the documentary on Netflix called You Are What You Eat. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was a pretty fascinating concept. I mean, you know, you you have to take certain things, uh, not necessarily as a a super scientific study, but they took identical twins and they – one of the twins was assigned uh, an omnivorous diet, and the other one, a purely plant-based diet okay and then they they had all kinds of measures blood weight uh, visceral fat all that stuff and they they compared after eight weeks which is not a long time what the results were and you know there were mixed results for sure um, but it was just a an interesting concept and I did learn some things um, in terms of farming how you know certain certain fields certain areas um, you know what the what the guidelines are to, to farm um, you know chicken and pigs and stuff yeah 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 so um you are what you eat um is is worth it's worth a wash watch but you know don't.
0: you're not going to get all nutty now are you no
1: but but you know i I read a little bit what happened to the twins after they shot yeah um and most of them decided that they would cut back on their meat,
0: on their meat intake,
1: and and go a little bit more plant based and based on the more resu- vegetables results? and fruit okay. based on the results.
0: And w- and the ones who were put on the plant based uh, diet, did they stick with it afterwards, or uh,
1: some did, okay. um, but I think most of them d- went back to a combo. A combo, but 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 the meat to a lesser degree than prior to the study. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the phrase was coined um, by a French person. What phrase? The phrase, you are what you eat. Oh, okay. Um, well,
0: this, this is going to help. <laughs> is, this, is this the French phrase of the day?
1: Well, first I'm going to talk about the guy who, who, who oh. said it, okay? Because he's, he he's pretty acclaimed in France. His name is Jean-Atelme Briat-Savarin. Uh. And he was a French lawyer, a big mucky muck, a politician, and a famous gastronome. Okay. Um, so he is the one who coined this phrase the French phrase of the day.
0: Okay, I will get it out. Okay. Go ahead.
1: Dis-moi ce que tu manges. Je te dirai ce que tu es.
0: Oh, I think... I think... If I am correct on my future Mm -hmm. conjugation, Mm -hmm. I think this is tell me what you... Eat.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, present. Tell me what you eat. Uh, I will tell you what you are. That's it. That's
1: it? That's completely it. And they t- took that and made it, you are what you eat. Oh, okay. But he is the one who who, who coined that phrase. He's also the one who brought back the expression gastronome.
0: Is a gastronome uh, somebody who really enjoys food but is very tiny? <laughs>
1: No, it's, it's someone who is a, a, a good judge of food um, and enjoys food. You know, it comes from gastro, which is stomach, yes, yeah. right?
0: And I know gnome is like you, you see them in the garden.
1: No, anatomy is. It's, oh. So it's a Greek, a Greek hybrid. I must, have anyway, missed, I
0: must have missed that class. So
1: he's the one who coined <laughs> that. He, he, he wrote several books okay. on gastronomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he also wrote a book about dueling dueling? Yeah, he has he had this whole theory about uh, dueling
0: um,
1: So, yeah, he Because they
0: used to do that in France, they just stand like 20 feet, feet apart, and they'd hold their pistols out, it wasn't even like a draw they'd just hold their pistols out, aim it, and one guy would usually die, it's ridiculous <laughs> Yeah,
1: I know, I know So, uh, he, he he was very uh, prolific in terms of his writings, and a, a very uh, well-known figure in, in France, and that's uh, how I'm going to round out the topic of food. Food. <laughs> All right.
0: And a great French uh, phrase of the day. Now, I noticed it, it says, uh, tell me what you eat, and I'll tell you what you are. I thought it, it, it should be qui uh Tell me who you are. Uh, I would tell you who you are. Uh,
1: what... yeah, but he was more what you are. What you like are. Like what you, you, what you consist of. Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, what you're, yeah, not your personality, but your your your, yeah, your, ma- your make-up. Your make-up. Your that's makeup. what I'm looking for. Oh, yep. Okay. Yep. All
0: right. Well, that's interesting. By the way, uh, I don't think I would have got this again had you just said it. Can you just say it one more time?
1: Sure. Uh, dis-moi ce que tu manges. Je te dirai ce que tu es.
0: Yeah. I don't think I would have got it just on the again this is my biggest thing is comprehension oh, uh, he didn't orally. Have, yeah, yeah, if I didn't have you. Yeah. yeah whereas if I have it in front of me, I can see the whole breakdown, I can see the cuz and the and and I can see the breakdown of the verbs and it's so like so often when you say something, I think you're saying one word but in fact you're saying two words and mm-hmm. even when we went walking and and practicing our French yesterday, that was you, you, you know, it can happen a couple of times, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, it, it, it can happen, especially yeah. with liaison. And and, and it, I guess when you know the language, you understand the context. Oh,
0: and here's something else I was thinking of. There are a lot of A sounds in French, okay? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So there's E-R, there's E-T, there's A-I, there's A-I-S, there's ee. Like Rene, like you. Uh,
1: okay. Uh, uh-huh.
0: Okay. So look at look at all those just right there, and I mean I'm sure there are a dozen more. And so you know when you, when you're always hearing a, you know, uh, then you're you're trying to figure out. Oh, you know, you're trying to figure out wh- which one is it. and uh, I don't Right.
1: Know. Well, yes. Um,
0: it's e. Just, it's e. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Your little. But see, English people don't hear that little difference
1: between a and e. No. They don't hear it.
0: Well, I hear it barely, but I'm not gonna hear it in a big run on sentence. No. Mm, we're okay. not that's one thing we, we do not uh we do not get.
1: Okay.
0: Uh along with a few other things in this language. But no, and and I've got a very good ear, as you know. Yeah. And so I mean I barely hear that difference, but yeah. for for the most part it's A A A A and more A. A.
1: <laughs> a. E-e-e-e-e.
0: And we can't pronounce the difference either. Okay. That's uh, enough of that. But a good French phrase of the yes. day, nonetheless. Yeah. yeah.
1: So um, it's a leap year.
0: Okay. So does so, that you know, mean it's the 29th?
1: Yes. Oh, okay. So there's an added day. Okay. So this, this year has 366 days instead of 365. I see. And that's loosely where the leap year term comes in mm-hmm. because typically you only advance one day. So let me see if I can get this straight. If my birthday was on Wednesday in one year, it'll be on Thursday the following. But after a leap year, it goes two, to f-
0: to the Friday.
1: Two days. Yeah. What so a bummer! Eh?
0: What a bummer to be born on February twenty ninth. You only get to celebrate your real birthday every four years. That's,
1: it is kind of weird, it right? Kind like of when weird. do you?
0: I wonder when those people celebrate their birthday uh, on non leap years.
1: I would say the twenty eighth would be logical. Okay. But, uh, you know, different, different people have – or different cultures have different uh, interpretations of, of leap year uh-huh. or leap day. Okay. Some people say, um, for example, the uh, Irish in, in Ireland on the 29th uh-huh. that happens once every four years, yep. except there are some exceptions.
0: Is there drinking involved?
1: Uh, no. The, the, it's, it's called a, a woman privilege day. And uh, they can propose to the man on that day.
0: But just it, once every four years.
1: Once every four years. Uh, it's not like Sadie Hawkins? Old fa- yeah, this is old-fashioned. Like, w- who's getting married now anyway? Right. But, but, you know, if a woman wants to propose to a man, there's they don't need to do that on, on leap year. Right. The Greeks say don't get married on the 29th. It's ah, very, very bad luck. I see. And most cultures say if you're born on the 29th, you're going to have a rough life. Oh, <laughs> yeah. really? Yep.
0: Holy. Yep. Well, first of all, you only get birthday presents every four years. So that's a bit of a drag. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. So in France, there's only one thing that happens every four years. They publish a special edition of a newspaper called La Bougie des Sapeurs. And it's a tradition since 1980. So uh, I'm sure that when I go out to the market today, I'll, I'll, I'll see a copy of that that newspaper okay. that only gets published once every four years. Huh. Now, there are exceptions to um, uh, to this rule. So it used to be the Julian calendar okay. up until the mid-1500s when Pope Greg changed it to the Gregorian calendar. All right. The, the reason that they changed it was they found that the, that the Julian calendar, which was uh, always uh, – it always involves the rotation of the earth – um was off by eleven minutes, oh, so in the in the Julian calendar, it went every four years without any exceptions. but in the Gregorian calendar, if the year is divisible by four, it's a leap year, okay, however, if that year can be divided by a hundred as well as four, it is not a leap year
0: okay, but what what about twenty twenty?
1: However, (laughs) if the year is also divisible by 400, it's a leap year.
0: Oh, okay. So 2020 was a leap year. Yes. Not because it was divisible by 100, but because it was divisible by 404. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) So there can be a skipping of the... uh...
1: Yeah, it's to catch up on the 11 minutes that the the old calendar um, couldn't account for. I
0: I wonder when the next one is where... It's it's divisible by, uh, it's it's not divisible by four hundred, but it's divisible by by one hundred, and then it doesn't count, right? Then they skip it, right?
1: Yeah, I don't think we'll be around. No, nah. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Time now for another Paris twenty twenty four Olympic update.
1: A weird thing happened in the news uh, this week. Uh, on Monday, an engineer that works for Paris City Hall um, got his bag stolen. Um, he was in the train station, La Gare du Nord, taking a train. And, well, what else would you do if you're in a train station?
0: Yeah, anyway. well, especially that one. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, and he, he put the bag uh, on the, uh, I guess, overhead, overhead. bin yep. where where most people put their, their stuff. And um, he, I, I think, went to... Uh, check on something and came back and the the bag uh, was missing and it contained a computer and two UBS sticks USB sticks yeah oh, God I need a coffee <laughs> oh, this is not going well so far UBS. <laughs> 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 in in any case, at first the press was all, oh, there's top secret information Cause, in cause there. Because he
0: was, he, he was in he charge of engin- like...
1: Yeah, he was in, an engineer that worked for City Hall, you know, and so apparently the laptop contained some information regarding uh, the, the police positioning during the Olympics. and Security. Uh, yeah, all that kind of stuff. And, and that was quite worrisome. Well, think
0: about it. I mean, if you can't uh, keep your computer secure, how are you going to keep 10,000 athletes? secure yeah yeah right so there there's definitely cause for worry there
1: yeah but later on in the week uh it was discovered that there was no real pertinent or serious information uh, on the laptop or the UBS stick.
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh or are they just saying that I mean that that's got to make some people nervous wouldn't you think
1: well, I, I suppose, but they, you know, there was an Olympic, you know, an, an official Olympic Games statement that came out, and it said, you know, after the initial check, it was established that the the staff member was not in possession of any information relating to the organization and deployment of police during the Olympics or the Paralympics. So. Okay.
0: Well, um, we we that see this is why we have a feature. Uh, about the Olympic update, because there's weird news coming out pretty much weekly. And as we're getting closer, oh, yeah. there's, uh, you know, and I'm still, boy, I I sure hope they are able uh, to confidently go about the opening ceremonies as intended, because... I am looking forward to seeing all these athletes floating down the Seine. I think that is such a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Nothing like that's ever been done or even close to being done. You know, it's just parading around and it's it's always been kind of an uh, like it's, oh, there's our people and they're waving, but it's always kind of been a, just a boring parade of, of, of people. Oh,
1: well, I don't know if it's always been boring. Well, it's just, you know. You know, the, some, some of the opening game ceremonies are the highest watched on television. No, no, I get
0: that. And, 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 you're, and you then and you cheer when your people come on and but it's really just a bunch of people traipsing around a circle like let's call us let's call a spade a spade that's what it is it's it's just with their uniforms on and everybody then everybody's commenting on what they're wearing and all that kind of thing but that's kind of it like there's never much you know in in the way of yeah. a flashy way of introducing them yes this is it's, this it's
1: it's, it's- Creative. Yeah. It's flashy. It's unique. Yeah, I mean, it can't it can't be replicated in very many locations. No. It just so happened that there's there's this beautiful river flowing through the center of Paris. Yeah. So and you I know. think
0: by reducing the number of people there, which they've tried to do, mm-hmm. especially the ones who aren't paying, because you know, uh, I think that if you're paying for seats, there's there's a little more prestige there, right? So uh, let's let's hope this uh, thing comes off because that. You know, I, I'd hate to over-promise and under, de, you know.
1: Well, I don't under know. I, you know I, I think as far as fanfare goes, the French are pretty. Yep,
0: Top notch. They are pretty top notch. That's why I'm, I'm hoping this thing comes, mm. uh, happens because it's a great idea. It's a great idea. And uh, but now, and they're spread out all over the place for their events. I mean, other like when I say other countries, other countries. Right, like there was we, oh, were, we had that thing. Yeah, I mean I know it's part of France, but it's way the down. Tahiti. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, for um, what is it? The um, um, I think it was surfing. Surfing. Or it's for surfing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And and you know, it, it, some people were upset that it wasn't being held closer to home. I'm, I'm um, sure
0: the participants are happy that it's not in the Atlantic Ocean. You yeah. know, because it's a little chilly. A little chilly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, All right, well, that is episode 105 in the can. Now, you know what? I'm hoping that uh, next week on the show we uh, start enjoying some March weather because typically around here, March, it starts to warm yeah, up. Yeah,
1: I looked ahead. Next week looks good.
0: I've already cut the grass three times, okay, which is a good sign. Yes. But I think that's largely because we've had more rain than Noah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, hopefully it will open up for some adventure options for us. So stick around for Chapter 106 dropping next Friday. Until then, take good care.
1: À bientôt.